coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me today for... I think like the first time in about a month is my co-host Charlie. Charlie, welcome back. Have to ask you, how has your pandemic summer been so far? Is it over yet? That bad? That bad. That bad? Bored. Wasn't that every summer for you? Well, we can't travel. That's the thing. Yeah, I can't go go anywhere. I mean, we'll go to the beach, but... and, And you don't even love that, I don't think, right? I mean, I like it. It's just not relaxing because they're nieces because you go with your involved. family yeah which is not always super relaxing you're not no. sitting on the beach you're running around constantly have you been out and about downtown in athens since things start open up at all yeah a little bit a few times things are slowly starting to open back like there were some restaurants like the blind pig love the blind pig was open like right away amici was open right away downtown some of the bars were we were having i think last week was the first time i saw like i would say I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can put a percentage on it, but at least the bars that I would normally go to, they are they are all pretty much now starting to open up, which is great. So slowly but surely, we're getting there. We'll see how things kind of transpire the next couple of months. But uh, all right, I have to bring this up before we get into the actual show today because I saw that you tweeted this morning, and you like, you don't really tweet all that often. I don't think, right? I don't. No, not not all that often. So like. For you to tweet something, it had to be important. I, I, I got up, I was kind of going through the timeline, I was like, whoa, whoa, Charlie's got something to say. And, and I saw that you tweeted about seeing the Clemson guy out on Millage as you were running in the wee hours of the morning, because Charlie runs in the wee, wee hours of the morning. It was and daylight, earlier than mm, normal. Daylight? Yeah. I don't know, I don't know about that. It's probably about four o'clock in the morning. And by the way, you can follow Charlie on Twitter at ClassicCharlie3. Wanted to make sure to get that in there. She needs some followers. So help her out there, guys. And uh, I'm I bringing this up because I see the Clemson guy too. I thought I was the only person in the world that saw the Clemson guy every time he went running early in the morning. And I, I just don't see him during the summer because I run later in the day during the summer. Got to get my two months of sleep in here. And uh, I know, honestly, I know you guys have no idea what we're talking about. But, but let me... Briefly explain. There is this guy. I don't. I don't know. Probably would you say Charlie in his mid fifties? No. What? He is not in his mid. Dude, he's totally in his fifties. No, he's in his forties. No. Yeah. If I look, if I look like that on my forties, kill me. That's not nice. No. No, no way. He's, he's an in his, avid runner. He no, he's a, no. Often. He's a, he's in good shape, but there's no yeah, way that man is no, forty years old. He's not in his fifties. Okay, I disagree. I, don't think. I strongly disagree with that. I mean, I mean, I'm bad at things like that, but I, there's no way. I don't I'm going to have to stop him and ask him now. I'm like, sir, I know you see me every time you run. He probably won't talk to you. <laughs> probably. Oh, why would he? That's kind of my point here. That's why I'm bringing this up. So that's what we're talking about here. He runs down millage between like usually 6 and 7 in the morning, at least on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Those are running days. But that's when I see him. And he has, without, a fa- without fail, he's got a, some sort of Clemson shirt on every single time I see him. Have you ever seen him without a Clemson shirt on? No. Never. Not one time. No. And I'm talking like hundreds of times. Yeah. Um, hundreds and hundreds of times I've seen this guy. And he'd probably say the same thing about me. I've always got red, black, or gray me, on. Me too. Yeah, so it is whatever. Um, and the reason I bring this up, Charlie, is because I'm curious to see if you have the same reaction as me. You know, when I pass by Clemson guy, uh, we, you know, we do the, the perfunctory, like we exchange nods, a little mini wave uh, when you pass by each other. But isn't there some part of you when you pass by him that you just want to scream like, get that junk out of my town. I just feel bad for him. Why? They've won like two I national would... championships in the past five years. What is to no, feel bad I know, for? But like, I, I mean, would... they had to wear orange and purple. But I would hate to live in Clemson. As but he does. Fan. He lives. He's a Clemson fan. He's won two national titles in the last five years. Been the, in the in the championship in the past four years, and he lives in the greatest city on earth. Well, I just feel bad for him because he always looks very sad. Or he he he's struggling. Mad or I don't know. He's never smiling. He just looks pissed yeah. off, and I don't know yeah. if it's the running, or maybe it's because he doesn't like me. I don't know. Sometimes he waves at me, sometimes he doesn't. Oh, I get the I nod of the wave every a, time. I always give him. A, well, that's another. It's a guy. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a guy. I don't know. I know. I know. There sorry. are a lot of people don't who don't go, acknowledge that's not, me. I know. When I give a good morning wave, or they acknowledge verbal, you too much. Yeah, and verbally say good morning, and yeah. 
it's not greeted with a response, but that's okay. But there's no part of it. I mean, I get that you feel bad. Like, yeah, he looks like he's struggling sometimes, but you don't ever have the urge to be like, dude, just just no, don't wear that here. This is our town. This is the yeah. capital of the Bulldog Nation. he just looks like a doofus. No, yeah. I, I have, I mean, of course not. Of course you don't feel that way because you are a much better person than me. But, yeah, and I would so. never do that. Let's be clear. I would never scream anything like that at all. But I'm not going to lie. He, and he seems like a, a nice enough guy, a really nice guy. I mean, from, from what you can tell when you're running, you know, he waves, nods, does that thing. So at least he's, he's polite. I'm sure he's a great family man, all that. But like the resentment, the bitterness, the hate, I'm not going to lie. It bubbles up for about five seconds, for about five seconds. And I kind of grit through it and do a little wave and a little nod because you got to be polite in this world. But then it goes away after that. But yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to see if you had the same. Are you running towards him or are you passing him? Um, We pass each other. So... Maybe it's because I've passed him before. Mm. We usually pass each other. Because like, when I'm starting, I'm coming down. I'm no, coming I mean down like I overtook Prince. him. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. How dare you? I know, right? How dare you? You actually pass somebody? I know, right? What? No. The Charlie Tribe? It's usually like the octogenarians that I pass. The and Charlie Tribe passed yeah. somebody. Wow. All right. So, and I guess the, the, the other reason I want to bring this up, because this is something I've always, I've always thought about, and I've never really asked anyone else about it. I've kind of just like thought about it myself. This brings up another kind of related question that I want to get your opinion on. So, very simply. So, obviously, we're not friends with Clemson Guy, because we just see him out on the street and we actually talked to this man. But can you be friends with people that side with some other team or university, especially a rival team? Like you personally, can you, are you capable of being friends with someone who's like, oh, I don't know, like a, a Tennessee fan or a Florida fan? And I'm not talking about just being polite. I'm talking about being like real serious, intimate friends with somebody who's a Florida fan or a Tennessee fan or an Auburn fan or a Tech fan or whatever team it might be. Are you capable of that? Yeah, I think so. I think it might be one of those things like you just don't talk about it that much. You got to find something else to talk about. But then, but at some point, if, if they're real fans, and you are obviously a real fan, at some point, it's going to come up. There's no doubt about that. It has to. It has to get in the way, especially during yeah, football but you don't season. Have to argue about it. Look, I'm cordial and polite with team with people that are. are you? I am. Are you? I am a. I am a nice person. Hmm. Okay, I mean maybe. I think I try to be. I don't. I have. Ne- I never say anything mean to anybody. No, no way, no way. I'm cordial. I'm polite to everybody because I think there's just a certain way you need to treat people, however misguided they may be. But for me, and this is probably just a me thing. I'm curious to see if there's anyone else out there that listens that that's like me on this. I can't, like, I cannot have a real, true, legitimate friendship with a person from a rival team that actually, like, truly cares. Like, some people say, like, oh, yeah, I'm a Florida fan, so but, like, you don't care. Like, this they don't... is why you don't have friends? Exactly. <laughs> That's why I have, like, wow, okay. No, I have, like, maybe two friends <laughs> on Earth. Um, no, but no, they're all, but seriously, think about all the people that I hang out with. Yeah, I know. All the people well, that, I, that I... You're a little over the top. I know, and I know that. I know I have self awareness. I know that I'm like on the far end of the spectrum when it comes to this. Um, and look, I, I know that there are nice people on the other side, but like I just can't do it. There's this wall that cannot be broken through. I can't like I, I can I can respect you. I think you're a nice guy, but like friends, like true true friends. I don't know, man. Like for instance, I'll bring. The, I think you know you might know what I'm talking about. I think you've met him once or twice. I used to work with this big Tennessee guy that grew. He lived in Athens. But literally grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. Big Tennessee fan. Really nice guy. Well-intentioned. Good guy. And I probably like would have been really close friends with him when in another world where college football did not exist. Like when it wasn't a thing. But he was a die-hard Tennessee guy. And obviously, I am. I have a Georgia podcast, right? So, I mean, there's a disconnect there. And, and we were good acquaintances. We were friendly with each other. Never really said anything crossed at all. But... It, like, it could never have been more than just that, like acquaintances, friends at work, if you want to call it that, because there was this part of both of us that kind of saw each other as the enemy. I don't know, like, just, there's like, you just can't get past that for me. So I don't, I, I know I'm crazy and I'm, I'm insane when it comes to this kind of stuff, but I'm curious to see if I'm alone. Is there someone else out there on earth? I was hoping maybe you would, would side with me. Like, who do you hang out with that's not a Georgia fan? I know we live in Athens, so it's kind of hard. That's why Clemson guy's so rare. It's like, you're in Athens, Georgia, dude. Like, what are you doing? Well, I'm not going to lie. A lot of women don't really care. I mean, it's just So that's not... what's wrong with the other sex. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No. Oh, my God. But if you're a Clemson guy, why do you live in Athens? 
Like, why do you live in Athens to be a Clemson fan? It's like Josh, but, but, but you, but if anything like, you can do in Athens, you can do elsewhere. Sorry. It's like Josh Stevens. He lived in, like, Columbia, South Carolina. Poor guy. He moved now, thank goodness. Yes, Josh Stevens. Yeah, long-time listener. He's been on the show a couple times. Love Josh. Sorry, Charlie just outed you, my friend. Um, yeah, he moved. That's true. Yeah, so they had to... I mean, you got to go where the work is. But I feel like... If you, like, what can you do in Athens that you can't do anywhere else? Maybe his wife is from here, or his partner yeah. is from here. Maybe. I don't know. It's a mystery. I'm going to solve this thing. I'm going to crack this up wide mm-hmm. open one day. I bet his partner's got a leg up on that one. I think mm-hmm. his partner's running that game. And by partner, you mean the guy he runs with sometimes? No, his spouse, whoever that is. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, I got well, there's, there's a guy he runs with that's not a Clemson fan. That's I why I only see his I've only seen his partner once. That's the first time. Every I've time I've seen partner. I've never seen Clemson guy solo. He's always with this one dude. Well during when I actually have to go to work, I run earlier than I do in the summer. So I only see Clemson guy in the summer. Okay. I don't I only see I Clemson guy when you every, go to work. Anytime but the summer, and so that's when I know, with your wife there. says that your day doesn't start until like eleven. Mm. It's a well-known fact. Define start. Like, go do something. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get up well before then. Right. I gotta stretch. It takes me a while. I'm an old man, so I gotta gotta do all sorts of stretching. Anyway, I know you guys are tired of hearing about that. So, enough idle chatter. Let's get to the good stuff. As you guys well know by now, the players are all back on campus for voluntary workouts, which is a a good starting point, I guess. Which are really involuntary. Well, I mean, that's uh, any time in the world. Well, no, I know. I know I'm you, just yeah, saying. That's that's a yeah. In, in football, in general, anytime, like even when you're in high school, they say, "Oh yeah, you got voluntary summer workouts." It no, I mean, be here. Yeah, if you're not, you have no chance to play. So we all know what that means. Everyone who's been around the world of football, and, and so people are back on campus. It includes all the freshmen from this number one ranked 2020 class. And today, we're going to focus on each and every one of those incoming freshmen in regards to the potential impact that we think they can make on the 2020 team. Uh, we have a pretty good idea about the guys that are already on campus because, you know, we've we've seen most of them to some degree. There's a couple guys like Tommy Bush who we still have, like, just never seen. But we have a good idea uh, about most of these guys at the college level. But the freshmen, like, we don't, we don't really know because we haven't seen them against this level of competition. So there's a lot of kind of projection there. So we're going to do our best to break down each player and discuss who is in the position to compete for a starting job, who looks maybe like they're ready to contribute as a, a rotation type player? Who maybe finds a spot on special teams? And you know, there's always going to be the guys that stare down a redshirt season. So who are those guys going to be? Now, as far as how we're going to do this, we talked about it and thought we had a couple different ideas on how to do this. But we settled on I think what I think is a pretty simple concept here. Charlie's going to go down the list, and she's going to give me each player in the 2020 class, and I'm going to place those players in one of four tiers. Uh, we knew we wanted to, to do a show about this, and we, we talked about how to do it. We thought this might be the easiest way. So four tiers. Tier one is the guys that have a legitimate shot, shot to start in year one. Now, that could be a day one starter like A.J. Green or Andrew Thomas or a guy that quickly works his way in the starting lineup like George Pickens did last year. We thought about breaking those tiers up, but we decided ultimately to simplify it and put them all together. So anyone who could potentially start this year is tier one. Tier two is going to be for the players that I project to be rotation contributors in 2020. Not starters necessarily, but guys who, who play a good bit or are part of the rotation and play some meaningful snaps. Guys like Nolan Smith and Tyree Stevenson and uh, Tra- Travon Walker from last year. Those guys come to mind for me. Tier three is for guys that I think might not be able to crack the rotation and play meaningful snaps on offense or defense this year as a, as a freshman, but will find a home on special teams, which is really important. We need those guys. And then finally, tier four is the redshirt tier, all right? So pretty simple. Tier one, starters. Tier two, rotation players. Tier three, special teams guys. Tier four, redshirt. All right, Charlie, makes sense? You got yes. this? All right. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm handing you the reins. Take us okay. away. So since Georgia is known as RBU, let's kick start it with the top rated running back from the 2020 class, and that would be Kendall Milton from all the way out in California. What tier do you have Milton in? All right, real quick before I, I break down where I have him playing, I just want to give a shout out to his dad again. Oh, like, I know. I, Let's I, go, dude, Chris Milton. Dude, I am, I'm just so, it seems like a great family. I'm really excited to have them be part him. of the Georgia family. Yeah, and I, I tweeted that out um, over the weekend, I think. But yeah, I'm just really excited. Because I got, what I tweeted out was like, if, if Ken was anything like his dad, then we're in good shape. And I think that's probably the case, right? So 
Really excited to have uh, Kendall here and, and his family as well. Going to be a great influence here in Athens. But uh, Kendall Milton, I think I am I am really high on Kendall Milton. He was a guy who was originally, early on in the, in the cycle, was a five-star prospect. And as things went on, he went to a couple camps and had some 40 times that ranked in the four the high 4-5 range. They might have had one in the 4-6 range. And that caused some of these these uh, analysts, some of these guys that do the rankings for the various recruiting services, services to kind of drop him ever so slightly. Uh, and he's still within the top 50, essentially, in the 247 composite. But I'm still really high on him. He does not have the breakaway speed. I'm not going to sit here and say he does. He doesn't have the home run type speed. He has good enough speed. And, I, and you guys know, if you listen to this show, I, I often say when you're talking about running back evaluations, home run speed is great, but it is a luxury. All right? It's an absolute luxury. It is not – if I didn't like, identify the three top qualities in a running back, home run speed would not be one of the top three. It's somewhere in the top you know, five or six – but it's not one of the most important. I, I would put vision, short area quickness, all those things. I would put that ahead of home run speed for running back. So Kendall Milton, while he does not have elite speed, does have all those other traits. He runs with good solid power. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. Very, very good footwork. Very good short area quickness. Runs with great balance. All of those things. So I think Kendall Milton's a guy that can certainly contribute. Now, as a starter... I don't know. I mean, we still have Zamir White on campus, and I, I'm I'm hopeful that Zamir gets closer to 100% this year, and uh, he'll be ready to kind of take on that workhorse load. I'm really excited to see what James Cook can do with a new system that might feature his skill sets a little bit more. We got Kenny McIntosh, who's a guy that I I saw some good things from in, in flashes last year. So there's some guys here ahead of him that he's going to have to be head and shoulders above better than to be like the starter at running back this year. So I'm not going to go tier one for Kendall Milton. That doesn't mean I'm not excited about him. I am. However, I do think that Kendall Milton can work his way into the rotation and find himself some playing time this year. I think he's a guy that you know could get anywhere between you know five to ten snaps a game, depending on the game, and a guy that I think can be a contributor this year. Especially you know running back, you're going to have some injuries, so I expect him to be a part of the rotation at some point in some way this season. So I'm going to go tier two for Kendall Milton. Okay, since we're talking about running backs, let's go ahead and throw in the other running back in this class, Dejan Edwards. He was a late take, but could he find his way onto the field this year? Yeah, Edwards is a guy that, from what I could understand, wanted to come here all along. And we kind of strung him out because obviously we had the whole Zach Evans mega saga, whatever that was. And if Evans would have been in this class, which looked like he was going to be in this class, then that would have not left any room for Edwards. And Edwards is kind of the antithesis from what I I don't know the guy, but everything I've heard about him from people that I trust that follow recruiting very, very closely and actually talk to these guys, Edwards is kind of the antithesis of Zach Evans. Um, there's not going to be any sort of drama with Dejan Edwards. He's a very quiet, introverted kind of guy, just works hard, goes about his business, and that is the kind of guy that I want on our team. Sign me up all day long. So I'm really excited that we got him. I know Zach Evans brings the five-star name and all that kind of stuff and the hype, but look, Dejan Edwards... I'm not going to sit here and say he's better than Zach Evans or he's going to end up being better than Zach Evans. But, you know, there is some baggage with Evans, so he could potentially fizzle out. I, hope, I don't wish ill on him at all, but Edwards is a guy that is solid, stable, might not be a truly elite-type guy, but he's a guy that can make some plays for you, can be a contributor, there's no doubt. I just don't know, with the guys that we already have on campus right now that have already done things here in Athens, plus Kendall Milton, who I think I would put Kendall Milton ahead of Edwards right now, I don't know if there's going to be enough carries to go around for Edwards to be in Tier 2. I don't think he's Tier 1. He's not a starter. I don't think he's going to be in Tier 2. I just don't think the carries are there if I'm putting Kendall Milton in Tier 2. So I'm going to go Tier 3 special teams for Edwards because he's the kind of guy. He is the kind of guy as a freshman that can make an impact on special teams. Guy that's got good speed, can go out there, make some plays uh, in the, on the punt team, kick team, return team, all that kind of stuff. I'm not, I don't see him as a return man, but he's a guy that can go out there and uh, make some plays on special teams. We saw Kenny McIntosh do that some last year. I think Edwards can certainly find a way to, to, to have a home on special teams as a freshman. All right. Let's talk about quarterbacks. There's been a lot of noise around the quarterback position with the transfer of JT Daniels, so let's talk about Carson Beck. Does he have a chance to factor into things this year? Uh, I'm going to go with a no on that one. Very simply, I, I, I am higher on Carson Beck than I think the average person that average fan is I know that he had his senior year his statistics were down but there's some context there that I think that you have to pay attention to he lost most of his skill players in high school you know that it's from year to year it's it's a very different deal and he's a guy that came in transferred to a new school as a junior 
and had only started about half a year. That was due to injury as a sophomore. So he comes in first time as a full-time starter at a new school and leads a team in Mandarin High School in Jacksonville to a state title. And this is a program that had really done nothing. And they do not have much tradition, from my understanding, down there in, in the state of Florida. And they went on a, a tear in the, in the state playoffs, and Carson Beck was a huge part of that. He's a winner. He's a guy that comes in and, and wins games. And one of the reasons I'm still high on him is he's still very raw, and I acknowledge that. Yeah, his numbers were down, and he didn't, probably didn't play as well. Uh, regardless of whether guys were gone or not from his, from his junior year, he didn't play as well. And I think part of that is because he's still learning that position. He was a big-time baseball player. We've talked about this before. He spent a lot of time he, splitting his time between baseball and football. And like, I know that and that's in some ways that's a good thing, for high school players to do, but at some point you got to start specializing in something, and so that's why he's a little more raw at this stage than maybe some other guys like Trevor Lawrence a couple years ago, because Trevor Lawrence was like a football guy from day one, and obviously he's not Trevor Lawrence, we know that. So I think he's got some growing to do, but I think once he he's got the skill set, he's athletic, he's got a good solid arm, he can be accurate the ball, though his completion percentage last year would not indicate that, but as a junior you saw that accuracy there. So I think he's a guy that can potentially win a starting job. I know we've got some guys in here, whether it's going to be JT Daniels, it's going to be Brock Vandegrift in a year or so. Like, There's going to be some competition, but a lot of people are just writing Carson Beck off like he's just going to be gone, like he's going to transfer. There's no way he's going to stick around and win the job. And I don't know if I'm ready to say that. I, I'm excited for the competition. And he might be the one that ends up transferring, maybe, but I'm not ready just to discount him entirely yet. But as for, as for this year, yeah, he's not going to factor into things. And you've got two grad transfers coming in. We'll see what happens with JT Daniels potentially getting his eligibility this year with that waiver. But you've got Jamie Newman. You've got JT Daniels. You've got uh, – you, you've also got – hey, Stetson. you got Stetson the man, right? He's here. So I'm going to say red shirt for Carson Beck this year, which I think is what he needs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Next up, let's go with tight end Darnell Washington. I was shocked to see how big this guy actually was in action at the All-American game. Is he a guy that could compete for a starting spot? He's a big dude. I mean, literally, he's like 6'7". Like, a big, big dude. Um, yeah, I'm with you. When I, some of the, I, mean, I knew he was big. I had seen his highlights. Well, the first time I turned on his highlights, his huddle tape, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This guy is actually out here playing football. All right. And he's a guy that his tape from his junior year to his senior year was night and day for me. Obviously, never seen this guy in person. He's from out in Vegas. But his junior tape, I like the size, but it didn't like wow me with his athleticism. Didn't jump off the tape. But his senior tape, when I saw that, I was like, whoa. It just opened my eyes to what this guy could be. Uh, he seems so much more athletic, so much more fluid at that size uh, at the tight end position. So. He's a guy. If you certainly, if you consider our need at tight end, we're we're losing both our tight ends from last year with Charlie Warner and Eli Wolf. At least our top two tight ends. Yes, we are bringing in Trey McKitty from Florida State as a grad transfer who was a starter at Florida State, so he will probably be the starter to open the season. I think it would be safe to say, but I would not be shocked. It certainly would not shock me if Darnell Washington found a way with the need we have at tight end. I know we have some guys on the roster at that position, but they haven't really done anything yet. They all redshirted. Whether it's Gody. Uh, Fitzpatrick was he he played some last year, but not a ton. Uh, See, there was a guy that that redshirted as well, so they don't really have much of, of experience that, that kind of gives them a leg up on him. There's no spring practice to, for them to kind of establish themselves somewhat. I think Edwards, with his combination of size, athleticism, strength, he's a match up nightmare, especially in the red zone. And if he can just learn the nuances of the position, I he, had, and he apparently underwent some arthroscopic knee surgery this week, but he should be fine. It sounds like he should be back, ready to go when, when practice kicks off in August. I think that he's a guy that I'm going to put in Tier 1. He's going to be the first guy I'm going to put in Tier 1. I don't think he'll be a starter right off the bat. I think it's probably going to be McKitty. But I think that as the season wears on, you might see a George Pickens-type scenario where you get more comfortable in the system and your talent just starts to outshine people and there's just no denying it. And you become a starter. So, yeah, I'm going to put him, he's been my first guy I'm going to put in Tier 1. All right, first guy in Tier 1. Well, we landed a really strong wide receiver class in 2020, so let's talk about those guys, starting with Marcus Roseme out of St. Thomas. 
Aquinas. High school. In you don't have. You always have trouble saying like. I Aquinas. They, well, that wasn't Aquinas. so hard. I needed to hear it before I said it. You just weren't sure. I mean, I can look at it, but you know. Yeah. Okay. So Saint Thomas Aquinas. He. Uh, yeah. Which is by the way, if you guys aren't from aren't familiar with Saint Thomas Aquinas, it is a uh, powerhouse down there in South Florida. And Rosemey is. Um, he's a powerhouse receiver, man. This guy. He he really reminds me of the kind of guys that we featured in our offense at the receiver position when Jim Cheney was the coordinator. Guys like Riley Ridley, guys like Javon Wims, those uh, JJ Holloman before he got kicked off the team. Those kind of guys. He's about the same physical profile, the same size there um, in terms of his athleticism. Very similar. So I, I'm really high on this guy. I know we have a different system now. We don't know exactly what that system will look like. We have an idea. We don't really know. But he's a guy that I think come in right away, especially with the need that we have a receiver. Obviously, we have Pickens, but we need a complimentary piece. We need somebody. We have a couple guys on the roster right now that maybe showed flashes of doing it, but I don't know if we have... We have some guys I think fit into the slot, honestly. And Curtis and I have talked about this on the show. We need another guy opposite on the outside, opposite of, of Pickens, to really step up and be a, a legitimate playmaker, to take pressure off of George and basically keep teams from being able to double and try to take George out of the game. So I think Rosemi can be that guy. Actually, I think almost all the receivers that we got this year, I think, can be that guy. But Rosemi certainly can be. I'm very, very excited about what he brings to the table. He's not necessarily like a super burner, but he's got very good speed, good strong hands, physical at the top of the route, all those things. Love his skill set. And I think he can be a guy that can, at the very least, be a, a rotation type contributor this year. So I'm, I'm going to put Rosemi in tier two. Okay. Let's go with Jermaine Burton next. We flipped him from LSU late in the process, so you know he's a pretty good player if he's that highly sought after. Will he get on the field in 2020? Yeah, I am really excited about Jermaine Burton. He's going to give us something that, outside of maybe D-Rob, we don't really have on the team right now, a receiver, which is just flat-out speed. Him and Arian Smith are two guys that have great speed, especially Arian Smith. But Burton's right there. Not, maybe not quite as fast as Smith, but a little bit bigger than Smith. Uh, and and really, really good speed in his own right. Yes, he was highly sought after. He's a guy that had some roots here in the state of Georgia, um, but, was it, but uh, ended up committing, and he's out in, he was out in California, ends up committing to LSU. We were after him early in the cycle, goes to, or commits to LSU. Kirby doesn't give up. Kirby pulled one of his Kirby specials and was able to flip him later on in the cycle, which is a huge get considering our need at wide receiver. And it's one thing I love about Kirby. Yeah, you know, you can criticize him for letting the wide receiver room get to the position it got to last year where he just didn't have enough talent there. But, man, he saw the weakness, and he went out and he attacked it. And he, he's, he's addressed it. There's no doubt there. And Jermaine Burton, I think, is a big part of that. Like Rosemey, a different player than Rosemey, but I think he's a guy also that I expect to factor into the lineup, the rotation, in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if I'm ready to say he's going to be a starter. Wouldn't shock, I wouldn't shock me for any of these guys to become starters at some point. Because, I, and honestly, I expect one of them to. I just don't know who it's going to be. So I'm going to go with a safe bet and put Burton uh, in Tier 2 as a contributor as well. Okay, the next wide receiver is Justin Robinson from Eagles Landing here in yeah. Georgia. Where do you see him fitting in? Yeah, he's a guy that I am really high on as well. And uh, kind of it's like a broken record on these receivers. And Robinson, most people aren't as excited about him because he wasn't as highly rated as guys like Rosemey and Burton and Smith. And he's also a guy that we got that we landed early on in the process. And for you know, this is how recruiting works. The guys that you land early, people forget about them. The, the guys who do the rankings, they usually don't pay as much attention to them because it doesn't really sell. They're already, already committed. They want the drama. They want they usually have guys. They move guys up later in the process, higher in the in the standings and their rankings, uh, because they want to get eyes on there and say, oh yeah, the number ten player in the country it hasn't. He's not, he's uncommitted. Where is he going to go? They want that. They want that drama on signing day. It's good for business. I get that. But I think Justin Robinson is a, is a future – I'm going to say I think he has a potential to be a future star. He's the biggest of the wide receivers we've got coming in. Certainly not the fastest, but again, good enough speed. And he's just got really, really good athleticism. He can go in the top of the route, got good strong hands, physical body, at six foot four. I mean, he's got almost like prototypical size at the wide receiver position. Maybe a little more raw than some of these other guys coming in. But man, like he was here. It's a shame that he was that we did not have spring practices. He was an early enrollee. He was here enrolled, ready for spring practice. I think that could have given him a leg up and given him a chance to kind of get acquainted with the system and then kind of hit the ground running in, in the summer once we got to fall camp. Unfortunately for him, that did not happen. So I'm tempering my expectations with him just a little bit due to that. But I really think he could potentially, if I honestly, if I had to pick one of these guys to be a starter in year one, I think I'd probably go with Justin Robinson, which I know it sounds crazy because he. Was not he was like the least highly rated guy of all out of the, all the receivers we got, but uh, I like 
I like what he brings to the table. I like his size. I like his athleticism. I think he was vastly undervalued in the recruiting cycle. So uh, I'm, I'm going to put him in, in Tier 2 because I just – I don't know. Well, it's going to be one of those guys. One of those guys will end up being in Tier 1, but I'm going to put Justin Robinson in Tier 2 right now because I just – I don't know if I'm ready to say it's going to be him, but if I had to put money on it right now, I probably would go with him. Decisions. Decisions. I know. All right. To close out the wide receivers, we have Arian Smith, the speedster from Florida. What's your take? Yeah, Arian Smith, is uh, he is speed personified. That is his game. He's a small dude, about 160 pounds or so. He actually had a surge, I think, on his wrist uh, within the past month or so. But from what I understand, he will be ready to go for fall camp, which is good for him. But you're kind of missing some of the summer workouts, which is tough too. So um, he's a guy that I think needs to add. He honestly, and I've said this before, I'll say it again for anyone who might have missed it. If you guys know Devontae Smith from Alabama, which I'm sure you do, Arian Smith to me is a spitting physical image of Devontae Smith. There's no relation there. They just, they have the same skill set in terms of like their speed is just off the charts and they just look the same. Like their, their frame, it's kind of slight of frame, but also just the way they run, it's like eerily similar to each other. It's kind of uncanny. It's weird. But uh, I, I think Arian Smith's going to be a really good player for us. I don't know if year one's going to be the year for him coming off the injury. I mean, maybe could use a little bit of, of, of weight gain just to kind of be able to withstand the rigors of the college game. You know, Kirby Smart's big on being able to block at the receiver position. I don't know if Arian Smith's ready to go out there and do that right now. That's another reason why I like Justin Robinson because I think he is ready to do that. But I am high on Arian Smith long term. I think he can be a good player. And look, I'm putting all the receivers in tier two because there's a need there. All these guys are highly capable. So I'm going to give him a chance to, in some way, contribute at that position. Okay. Well, it's been all offense so far, so let's move things to the defensive side of the ball for a few minutes. Let's go with a player I know you're excited about, and that's defensive tackle Jalen Carter. Does he make it into Tier 1? So you've been listening to my rants? Always. (laughs) Always, yeah. So, yeah, Jalen Carter, yeah, I am am off the charts excited about Jalen Carter. I think this guy has a chance to be the next great Georgia interior demons of tackle. And it's been a while since we've said that. Like, we haven't had a, a great interior demons of linemen in a, in a minute, man. Like you can say Geno Atkins, but Geno Atkins in college was not what Geno Atkins has been in the NFL. He was good. He was never that good. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I can go back to Marcus Stroud, Richard Seymour. Was that the last time we, like, it had truly dominant interior demons of linemen? Like, we just haven't had those guys in a long time. We've had good players, just not guys like that. And I think Jalen Carter has every bit of the potential to be able to do that. So I want to put him in tier one based on on like talent and upside. And, la- and last year was the first year he actually like focused full time on defensive tackle, and that's why he he like he went from like a three star all the way up to like a a, a top twenty five player, like a, a five star prospect, which you don't see very often. And that's because he just didn't really play defensive tackle all that much prior to his senior year. He uh, played in the spring game and like just blew people away, and that kind of caught some attention. And then the All Star game, he went there during the practices, just blew people away again, and. You know, lo and behold, he ends up a five-star, which I was saying all along. Even when he was a three-star and he committed, I said, this dude is a legitimate five-star prospect. And lo and behold, what happens? He becomes a five-star. So I am extraordinarily high on Jalen Carter. The problem for him this year in trying to put him in tier one is I don't know where his opportunities are going to come. Like, there are some grown men. I'm talking like Julian Rochester is like 38 years old at this point. There are grown men ahead of him right now. You've got Devontae Wyatt. You've got Trayvon Walker, who was there last year. We've got some uh, Zion Lowe. we got some guys from last year's class at Redshirt that are, that are ready to be, get in there and potentially contribute. So there are some guys that are ahead of him right now, and I just don't know if there's enough opportunities for him to say, all right, yeah, he's going to be a flat-out starter. And it's tough for guys. I've always said this. On the offensive line, defense line, in the trenches, it's, it's probably the toughest spot to come in as a true freshman and be a starter right away. Even, even a guy like Trayvon Walker, as talented as that guy is, and that's a future potential Top ten. I, mean, I, I think Trayvon Walker's no, no doubt first round pick. I mean, he could potentially be a top ten pick if things go the right way for him down the road. But even he could not start last year. And so like, I don't know. Like Jalen Carter, I just I don't. I, I think the, the potential is there. But I'm gonna go safe here. I'm gonna be cautious. I'm gonna say tier two for now. But man, like long term, I mean, I'm talking like as, as soon as next year. This guy can be a flat-out monster for us. And it wouldn't shock me if he became a starter this year. I just think there's too many guys ahead of him right now. Okay. Jordan Davis as well is there. Okay. Throw that in there. Sorry. Versatile outside linebackers are an important part of Kirby Smart defenses. And Mm -hmm. Mikhail Sherman out of D.C. is the only outside linebacker that we took in 2020. How do you see things playing out for him this season? Yeah, another guy I, I really like. He was a guy that was a five-star prospect to start the cycle out of, out of the Washington, D.C. area, as you mentioned. 
but I kind of felt a little bit later on, um, still a highly rated guy, a top 100 type guy. I think he was a top 50 type guy when it was all said and done, the 247 composite. Definitely inside the top 100, as he should have been. And I'm extraordinarily high on him. Now, he's a guy who missed his all of his junior year, essentially, uh, with an injury, and he came back and, uh, and had a good senior year from all accounts. But I do think that set him back a little bit in, in terms of the ratings and all that kind of stuff, being out for a full year. But I'm high on him and what he can be here in Athens. I think he's next in line in the at the outside linebacker position. But the problem for him is kind of like with Jalen Carter, but maybe even more so for him, an outside linebacker, How does where does he fit in right now? When you got guys like Aziz Ojolari, you got Nolan Smith, who was the number one recruit last year coming out of high school. You still got Jermaine Johnson, who's come back for his senior year. You got Adam Anderson. You've got Walter Grant. You've got Robert Beal. I mean, like... Where like is he going to overtake all those guys to become a starter? No way he becomes a starter. I don't. I, I just. I think. I think highly of him. I don't think he's a starter in year one. And with all those guys ahead of him, does he even have a spot in the rotation right now? So, I, and I would probably say no if I had to say right now in year one. So for me, I'm going to put him on tier three as a special teams contributor. He's a guy that has enough athleticism and uh, and has the ability to go out there and serve on a number of different special teams. So I think he'll play. I just don't necessarily see him playing meaningful snaps on defense. All right. We need to get more players into that top tier. So let's go with cornerback Keely Ringo. I love that Ooh. name. Who was the highest awesome rated player in the entire class coming in at number four nationally. Surely he's a tier one player, right? Oh, Charlie, I hate to disappoint you. No? I don't have Keely Ringo in tier one. Well, of course you don't. Well, hear me out. Hear me out. All right. Like Jalen Carter, I think Keely Ringo is tier one talent, right? I think if... If he was coming into almost any other team in the SEC, he's probably a starter day one. The problem is, look at what we have at cornerback. Eric Stokes, is he starting over Eric Stokes right now? As Eric Stokes coming into his senior year? I don't, I don't think so. DJ Daniel performed really well when he took over for uh, an injured Tyson Campbell last year. Tyson Campbell, remember, he was a five-star guy. He was all the rage coming out of Miami a couple years ago. And what, before the injury last year, what I saw from him, I really liked. I think he's in line this year to really completely break out. So you got those three guys right there. So Keely Ringo has got to jump over all of those guys at corner if he's going to play cornerback. And I, I do think Keely has some positional versatility. We could play safety potentially, but what, he's not playing. He's not starting at safety. He's not going to start over Richard Account. He's probably not going to start over Lewis Seen. I know Kirby's very high on Seen. We saw him last year, and I, I've heard from from certain folks that would know that Kirby is high on on Seen, and he, he's a guy that could potentially break out this year. So I don't think he starts there. Then you look, okay, does he start at, at star? And I don't know if Keely Ringo – I mean, I think Ringo could play star. We've got some options there. We've got Devon Wilson. you got Mark Webb. you got Tyreek Stevenson. I just don't know where the – there's not as many opportunities for him right now to come in and jump over somebody. Now, he might just be that guy that's so talented that you just simply cannot keep him off the field. Like, those guys exist, even if there's some really good players ahead of him. So I'm not completely saying it's out of the question that Keely Ringo, Ringo can come in and start. But I just it's hard for me to predict right now, oh, yeah, He's going to jump over Eric Stokes. Stokes has been so good for us. DJ Daniel was really good for us. Tyson Campbell is insanely talented. I, I just don't know if he's going to come in right away, especially without spring practice or anything like that, and jump over those guys. So I'm going to say, as much as it hurts me, because I want Keith Ringo to be that good. Because he is the prototype. 6'2", 200 or so pounds, can run, like, I'm talking 4'3 speed at that size. Like, insanity for Demons to back. So I, I think he's insanely good. He's another guy that could be a potential top 10 pick down the road in the NFL draft. But right now in year one, I think he'll play, kind of like Tyree Stevenson did last year. He found a role in the team. But I don't know if he's going to start. So I'm going to put him in tier two, which I know sounds kind of weird because he was the highest rated guy in the entire class. All right. What about Warren Brinson from IMG? Yeah, do you to tackle Warren Brinson, another guy that uh, that I'm high on? I think he's, he's a guy that could be a good player for us. I just don't see it happening this year. It's kind of like the same thing with Jalen Carter. There's just a, there's a bunch of guys ahead of him right now. There's not as much of a need this year for Demons of Tackles. And I think... Jalen Carter is just a better player at defensive tackle. So if there's anyone at that position that was going to break in as a freshman, it would be Carter and not so much Brinson. So I'm going to go with Brinson. I'm going to put him as a redshirt. All right. The other defensive tackle prospect in the class is Nazir Stackhouse. That makes me think of Sauce House. Has it opened yet? Sauce House? Yeah. I uh, no, so. no. Not I mean, the I, bar. Yeah, the, I drove by it the yesterday. Res- the restaurant's open, I think, but not the bar. I don't think any of it's open. I think they're for takeout and stuff. I don't think they're open oh, anyway. Oh, well, no. We don't want that. Oh. We just want the bar. Um, wow. So can Nazir Stackhouse? Yeah, I know. Can't. <laughs> can Nazir Stackhouse crack the rotation this season? Uh, I'll make this one simple. No. So if Brinson's not going to break, well, I mean, if Brinson's not going to break the, the rotation. If Jalen Carter doesn't break the rotation, okay. then then no. Stackhouse. Okay. Stackhouse can be a good player. He's just not ready right now. The guys he has in front of him. So redshirt. 
Okay. Broderick Jones looks to be the next in the line of five stars at the offensive tackle position. With all that we lost on the offensive line from last year's team, is Jones a tier one freshman? Yes, he is. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Obviously, this is projection. I don't. I can't sit here and guarantee he's going to start. But there is a need at both tackle positions. I think that Jamari Salyer will land one of those spots. At least another one wide open. Yeah, we have some guys from last year's class, Warren McClendon, Xavier Truss, that are going to be fighting for those spots as well. They have a year ahead of him. But remember, there's a new offensive line coach, so he's not beholden to any of those guys. He hasn't really seen much of them, all that, a little bit more than he's seen of Jones, but not all that much. And Broderick Jones is just quite simply, I mean, I think that Truss can be a good player. I think that McClendon can be a good player. I think Broderick Jones is the superior athlete. And he might not be there from a technical standpoint right now, but and it sucks that he wasn't here for the spring. It wasn't a spring, even if he was here for the spring. So, I mean, it's tough. Again, offensive line is, like I said, the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, toughest spot for a guy to come and play right away. But there has been a, a recent example of that with Andrew Thomas. We know it can be done. Broderick Jones, I think, is potentially, I know this sounds crazy, potentially more athletic than Andrew Thomas. I'm not saying he's better than Andrew Thomas. It's tough to be better than number four pick in the NFL draft. But he, from an athletic standpoint, might be there. So, I'm putting Broderick Jones in Tier 1. I think of all the offensive linemen coming in, he's got the best chance to start, and there's certainly opportunity available for him to do so. Okay, with Jones in Tier 1, what about the other highly rated in-state tackle in this class, Tate Ratledge? Is he also a Tier 1 player with the needs on the offensive line this year? I'm not going to discount him. Uh, I think that he, that either Broderick Jones or Tate Ratledge have a really good shot to come in and start right away. And uh, I don't think there's a huge gap, honestly, between Broderick and, and Ratledge. Broderick's a little bit more athletic right now. Not a little bit. He is more athletic right now. And, and But I think Ratledge is a little bigger, stronger, more physical, that kind of stuff right now. So it depends on what, if, you want, if you're talking about left tackle, right tackle right now, and who comes in and just kind of gets the system down and who's ready to perform at, at a high level from a technical standpoint, all those kind of things that you have to do from the offensive line, which is, yeah, you got to be big, strong, and athletic, but you also have to know what you're doing, hand placement, all that kind of stuff, balance. It's all important. It's all important. So we'll see when, once they get on campus. But Rattledge will compete. There's no doubt. I mean, he's a really, really good player. I just think Jones right now, from an athletic standpoint, I just give him the edge there. So I'm going to put – see, we just don't rotate that much on the offensive line. That's the thing. Like, you, you don't rotate on the offensive line like you do the defensive line or linebacker or something like that. So it's tough to say he's going to be – if he doesn't start, he's going to be a contributor. So honestly, what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to say absent injury. This is, sucks to say. I'm going to put Rattledge as a redshirt absent injury because I just if he doesn't win the job right away then again we don't rotate that much on the offensive line so I'm gonna say yeah red shirt all right continuing with the theme of the offensive line what about center Cedric Van Pran what do you see for him kind of a similar thing with with Ratledge although there's less opportunity for Van Pran I think Van Pran is an interior guy really a center more than anything he could play guard but I think he's more of a center than he is anything else and we have Trey Hill right now. Trey Hill wasn't uh, he wasn't a star last year. He had his moments. He was good for us, but there were also moments where he um, was not as good as he needed to be. And he's got to clean some things up. He's a little bit more power. He's he's got the power. He's got to just use it a little bit more consistently. He blew some assignments at times. But he's a young guy starting for the first time. So I'm I'm still very confident in Trey Hill being a good player for us. So he's got that center job right now. So it's hard for me to imagine that Van Pran is going to be able to do um, anything to overtake him at this point. So I'm going to put Van Pran as a redshirt as well. All right, staying with the offensive line again, what can you tell us about Chad Lindbergh out of Texas? Yeah, um, I, I'm going to go redshirt for Lindbergh as well. He's, he's more of a tackle prospect, and I think Ratledge and Jones are both ahead of him right now. So if I don't even have Ratledge as a, as a starter right now, if I have him as a redshirt, then i got to go redshirt for Lindbergh as well. Okay, a couple of guys that we took late in the cycle on the offensive line were Austin Blask. Did I say that right? Blasky. Blasky. Oh, the easy I think Blasky. All right. A big 345-pound linebacker, Devin Wilcock. Willock. I can't read today. Offensive the, lineman. Offensive lineman. What? So for some reason it says linebacker. That, 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 that says pound. 345. Oh. LB is pound person. I was confused. You confuse yourself with your notes. This is why you I don't can, like you literally confuse yourself. 
LB can also yes, linebacker. That's a that's. I think you meant pound. I know this is my nap time. Okay. Give me a break. And Cameron Kinney, what do you project for these three in twenty twenty? Yeah, I mean this one easy. All three are gonna be red shirts this year. I, I that was fast. Yeah, I mean I, I know you get kind of antsy. Blasky is a guy that I'm high. I, like I'm not sure about Willick and Kinney. Like we'll see. Those guys are big time projects. Willick and Kinney. Like we took them very late in the cycle. I was honestly surprised we took them. I guess we had room, so we just took them anyway. But Blasky's a guy that's a, a, a state wrestling champ, like a, a hardcore wrestler. And you guys know, I said this um, recently, I, I, I'm really, really high on wrestlers and, uh, and, and what they can do on the offensive line. It shows toughness, quickness, athleticism, the ability to have flexibility, which is really important. I know it's a, people don't think about the offensive line, but flexibility is a big deal. So, yeah, I, uh, I think Blasky's a guy that you know could work in the lineup in a couple of years. I just don't think he's ready right now. So what do you got for me next? Almost done here, right? Got a couple more? Yes. So that's everybody on offense. How about another guy we took late in the process, and that is wide receiver Lad McConkie. Uh, he was a late take, so does that mean red shirt? You could say that. Like, I could certainly – I will say this. If he doesn't make it onto a special team unit in some capacity, then he will be a red shirt. I don't see him really factoring in in year one as a receiver. He's a guy – another guy that – I. He's certainly not as talented as the other receivers we have on our roster uh, or in this class. And by the way, he is a receiver in this class. I guess you just put the other guys in there because they are the ones that you're thinking that actually could. You're blaming crack. it on me. I, I mean, you know, organization. Yeah, I know. I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, McConkey, he's a guy that I I said when he when we signed him that he's one of those guys. I think if he went somewhere else, if he went to uh, Kentucky or a South Carolina, or something like that. I think he's one of those guys that down the road, three, four years from now, we would look back and say, how did we let that guy get out of state? And I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar, but he's the kind of guy that can just be a pain. He's um, totally 100% a slot receiver, uh, maybe potentially a return guy. But slot receivers, if you use them correctly, can be devastating for defenses because they just keep the change churning. I mean, you guys have seen him with the New England Patriots for years and years now. I guess not anymore, but you saw it for years and years. And it's to kind of take over the NFL. The, the Chiefs are doing it now. I mean, everyone in the NFL is doing it in the college game as well. And hopefully now that we have a coordinator who might actually live in the 21st century offensively, we'll be able to use those guys. And we have a ton of guys like that on our roster this year. And that's why I don't think McConkie will maybe factor in offensively this year because we've got guys like D-Rob and Kiaris Jackson, Dominic Blaylock, guys I think fit in that position as well. And I don't see him in any way, at least right now, being able to kind of jump ahead of those guys. So I think he is a either a red shirt or a guy that could end up on a special teams unit. I'm going to say tier three special teams because his athleticism, speed, could be something that could help us on special teams. All right. Back on the defensive side of the ball for the last couple of players. Keely Ringo gets all the love at the cornerback position in this class, but Jalen Kimber is another borderline top 100 quarterback. Not quarterback. Cornerback, excuse me. You are having trouble today. I know, trouble speaking. How much of an impact do you expect him to make in 2020? Yeah, Kimber is a guy that, look, he's not Keely Ringo. He's not going to jump off the page in terms of his like physical stature. But he is an athlete, man. He's one of those guys that went to one of the camps. He's from Texas, by the way. And he went to one of those camps, and he bust out an incredible spark, to, spark score, which kind of factors in your overall athleticism, that kind of thing. And his 40-yard his dash laser-timed in the mid-4-4s. So this guy has got speed to burn, which is something that Kirby – look, on defense, that's what Kirby wants. There's no doubt about it. So he's not as big as Ringo. I don't see him as a guy that's going to come in and be a, cont- a contender to crack the lineup right away like Ringo might be. But look, we're going to have a lot of opportunities for people to take over spots in secondary next year in 2021. In 2021, I do expect him to be a guy that could, that could certainly find a starting position, but not so much this year. But kind of like McConkie, speed, athleticism. I think he's certainly a special teams contributor. I don't know. Just so many guys in our secondary right now. I don't know if there's any opportunity for him to really even be in the rotation right now. Doesn't mean he's not a good player. I just don't see it right now. So I'm going to say tier three special teams guy. Okay, we landed two DBs out of Louisiana and Darren Branch and Major Burns. Great name. Yeah, you gotta love that name, don't you? Yeah. Um, is there a path to playing time for either one of these guys? Okay, so both of these guys, here's what I would say. Yeah, I think they're gonna be. I don't know if I want to say rotation because at safety, we don't really rotate at safety. We rotate at corner from time to time, but not as much at safety if you look at the past couple years with J.R. Reed and Richard LeCount. So I think we have our starters at safety in Richard LeCount and Lewis Seen this year. 
I honestly don't know who the backups are going to be right now. Like, I don't know if the backups are on the roster. That There is some depth concern there at that one spot. Not so much for the starters, but for who, who's going to be the depth pieces right behind them. I think Branch and, uh, and Burns can could potentially—I think those guys project long-term at safety. They could potentially be in the two-deep at safety. And if you're in the two-deep, again, we don't rotate that much at safety, especially when the, when the starters are like Richard LeCount and Louis C. and the backups are too, too fresh. When you're probably going to rotate a ton there— but I gotta imagine there's gonna be some playing time potentially for them somewhere there. So I'm gonna say I don't think they're as talented as a guy like Jalen Kimber, maybe. But I like their length, I like their athleticism overall, and I do think they're gonna be in the two deep. There's a, at least a very real, realistic possibility that's gonna be the case. So I'm gonna say like they're honestly kind of between a two and a three for me. But let's say two, especially if they end up in the in the two deep there. All right, and finally let's close this out with kicker Jared Zirkel. Okay, so look, I know that kickers get no love whatsoever, and they probably should get all that much love, at least unless you're Rodrigo Blankenship, you get all the love. But Rod is gone. Speaking of Rod, he is gone this year, and we don't really have anyone waiting in the wings right now. Sure, you could say Jake Camarda could potentially compete for that job to be the kicker and punter, or maybe just move over from punter and become the kicker, but then what would we do at punter? So I think it's going to be a competition, honestly, between those two guys, Jake Camarda and Jared Zirkel. And Camarda was a really good kicker in high school. At Norcross High School, he really was. In fact, I thought he was a better kicker than he was punter, to be honest, at the high school level. Did really well at both of those tasks, but I thought he was probably a better kicker overall. So he'll certainly be factoring in the competition. But if I had to say right now, I think in an ideal world, our coaching staff would like Camarda, since he's done it two years, to stick at punter and just keep improving there and have Zirkel come in and be good enough to be able to come in and serve as our kicker right away. Although that's, man, a freshman kicker in the SEC, especially when you think you have a national title contender potentially everywhere else. That is concerning to me. That That's scary. That is scary. But I think right now, honestly, I'd say he's probably the favorite to be the, the starting kicker. So if that's the case, then he's got to be in tier one. But uh, all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. We really appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to, to tune in and listen to us here. Charlie, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to help us out here on the show. Hopefully, we'll have you back maybe sometime this summer. I don't know if you'll have me. If you want, come on. You know you got. You act like you have nothing to do. You're all over the place. You Pandemic, keep yourself busy. Pandemic, man. Just, I don't even know what day it is. But you were the what kind day of, is it? Uh, it's Thursday. Thursday. Oh, it's the weekend. Because you always find projects always at home to keep yourself. You're always doing something. So don't... don't Usually when I ask you, like, yeah, I gotta cut the grass, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get a mess in the yard, I gotta go to Lowe's. Alright, anyway, thanks for listening, guys, we appreciate it. For Charlie, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>